heavy blow to the skull. This is not a test. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Decibelprods.com movies and television podcast. Uh, as always, I'm dead. You know, today we got Cave. We're not sad anymore. <laughs> Seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> yeah. We last recorded for movies in November. So, yeah, it's been a bit. The holidays suck sometimes. It's okay, though. <sighs> also, it was a good while there where I just wasn't watching anything. Yeah, well, there wasn't much to watch. Yeah, fair enough. Like, there's... We're starting to get stuff now, but like, even then, like, there are... I only got three things to talk about, and two of them are over a decade old. I have three things to talk about, and only one of mine is de- over a decade old. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was season effectiveness. Also, I just don't watch it. Fuck it. No, I was like, Ugh. I apologize for Cursed Destiny, by the way. Shit gets complicated. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> anyway. So, what have you managed to force yourself to watch? Well, so Dad loves Columbo. Yeah, I do. He is a huge Columbo fan, and he finally put it put it in a way that I was like, you know what? gonna watch that <laughs> and the way the way he framed it was it's not about catching the murderer it's about catching where they fucked up and so like my, my wife and i were like yeah we'll try columbo so we put on the first episode with the mindset of we'll see if we can figure out where they screwed up so question when you say the first episode do you mean the tv movie or the first episode of the series uh, the one where the guy murders his wife and then gets his girlfriend to dress up at her and, as her and go on the plane. Okay, that's the TV movie. Okay. Yeah, because I think we talked about last time we talked about Columbo, like, four years ago. But That's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, like, Columbo started out as a character who I believe was, like, on stage. Then he appeared in, like, black and white TV as part of, like, a rotating mystery block. And they brought him back for another TV movie based on the play. And then they made it into a TV series, which was a series of TV movies. And they're all fun. They're all good. Yeah. I want to meet Mrs. Columbo. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I, I fully buy into the theory that Columbo's family isn't as big as he claims. And he just makes up family members when he knows his wife would get mad if she was if he if she if he said that he liked that she liked this person or something. <laughs> Like, yeah, I got a nephew who's uh, who studied carpentry, but now he's into cross-stitch. <laughs> just, like, just his wife is just, like, this insanely, like, eclectic renaissance woman who just loves everything, but he can't, like, <laughs> keep telling people all the shit she's into. <laughs> I think there was one episode where it was like, yeah, my nephew does cross-stitch. It really helps him relax between deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hell? What is this? Where did this come from? But no, I absolutely adore the character of Columbo. Um, and I really like watching him stick it to these rich bastards who think they're smarter than everybody else. Yeah, it's so good to see in this dude. Because like Columbo, all these genius places and stuff, 
man is average intelligence, I feel. I don't think so. Like he he is he's very like he mentions it a couple times like in later episodes where he he mentions a couple times that he's like he is not the smartest person in the room and he never thinks he's the smartest person in the room. But he tries more than anyone else. Yeah, I don't think he's of average intelligence. I don't think he's the smartest guy in the room. I think he is of slightly above average intelligence and on the spectrum, which causes him to hyperfixate, which means he catches things that other people would overlook. I wouldn't say spectrum. I just say he's hyper. I just say he's like hyper observant. I'd at the very least say that he suffers from ADD. Because the way he'll flip between topics, between topics, that's very much how my wife and I will flip between topics and topics because of our ADHD and ADHD. Uh, I Yeah, I, I never saw that as like an ADHD thing. I always just saw that as him trying to like keep people off kilter and just like, yeah, he's just some fucking dude. Because it always, it always comes off less as an act to me and more as a... Oh shit! I was talking about something. I got distracted with your lighter. Uh, where are my matches? Well, no, it's it's not so much. It wasn't so much like an like it's an act. So much as it is, he'll just notice something and then just like like he will have he will go in there into a into a situation with okay. I know these things. I'm going to guess about these things, and then just kind of meanders around it until he can find a place to get into that point where they are at their lowest. Where they are, where their guard is at the lowest, where they're just because so much of Columbo and what makes the character interesting is how much of this is just him and how much of it is an act. Yeah. And that's like, that's what we're debating right now, because I think his rambling is just him. That's what I think. It's just him. Just like he can't folk like he's got this thing that he wants, but then his brain jumps 17 steps and then it's like. Oh, I need to talk about this thing. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like to me. It feels like he's he's got this one thing that he wants, but he can't fixate on it until he's got the other crap that's in his head out of the way. Yeah, and to me, he has he's fixated on the thing, but he just kind of goes in. It's like, hey, they're a bit too guarded right now. What I'm going to talk about, and he just kind of looks around the room to find something to riff on. Because and I thought yeah, because, because that's too perfectly valid. Yeah, be, because a lot of because a lot of what it is is he'll just walk into a place and be like, "Oh, this this house is amazing." It's just like <laughs> playing into their ego, playing into the idea they have of him based on his appearance. Yeah, one of my favorite moments was uh, the uh, dog killer episode, where the a guy trained his dogs to kill, <laughs> and he's just playing with them. Like we're <laughs> like, oh no. What's going on? Is he being attacked by the dog? No, he's just playing ball. Yeah. And then, oh my God, I got so mad because the guy's trying to like get rid of his dogs because he's like, they're evidence against me. Yeah. So what was I thinking? He, like, keeping is, the murder weapon. He's like trying to, well, they're in police lockup, uh, but he's like trying to feed them chocolate. And I got like physically angry. I was like, you motherfucker, you better put that chocolate away. <laughs> Cause like chocolate is not good for dogs. You don't give dogs chocolate. Yeah, and he's like trying to kill his dogs with chocolate. And then Columbo says, comes back and, oh, sir, you you can't feed them. Uh, <laughs> it's it's against the rules. And I'm like, oh, I love you, Columbo. 
I'm willing to bet you just made that up, but I love you, Columbo. You just saved those poor puppies. Well, I feel like it would probably be against police policy to be able to go back and feed your dogs and lock up. The one big thing, the one big problem my wife and I have about Columbo is he really needs a new car. <laughs> because that thing that he is driving is a disaster. And it will kill someone, if not him. You're just worried it'll kill you. Yes! Yes, I <laughs> It's fine. Don't go out to the coast. But the coast is lovely. Fuck the coast. Actually, I don't want to live there. It's it's hyper expensive and too warm. It's so expensive. Everyone's an asshole. They're always trying to sell you something. Yeah, no. But, like, Columbo can live there. He, he, he can stay there. <laughs> Yeah, and his so, car suddenly comes flying in through my window because someone was yeah. transporting it to the Smithsonian for display or some shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mr. Caveman, just one more thing. I, I love it. Can, can, can I help you? <laughs> I, just, I, just love I haven't it. murdered anybody yet. I love Yeah, I, I wanted to know about that knife you made. I just you said so that was much, the only one you made. I just so much love just, just one more thing. <laughs> It always catches them off guard, even when they thought they would be ready for it. Yeah, it's like, huh? yeah, what? Huh? Yeah, and <laughs> he's never, and he's never like smug about it. He's always just so humble and like affable. Yeah, he's just a friendly dude. Just so he's, so nice. I love Columbo. I love Columbo. I love his personality. I love the I love the way he acts because it's so normal. Yeah, and I. It's a thing that I didn't realize was a problem for me until I watched Columbo. I feel like I might have mentioned this last time. I love he's not a fucking super genius. He's just a dude. Yeah, he's a nor he is. I'm not I don't I I think he's intelligent. I just don't think he's like like they put him up against it. I'm the smartest person in the world. I have an IQ of 240. It's like, yeah, but you're still human. <laughs> and yeah. Columbo like like Columbo hones in on the human elements of the case. Yeah, always the like ego. Well, for a like, lot of people, um, for a lot of people, it's the ego because the ego is ego's the Achilles' heel of a lot of people who think they're the smartest in the room. Yeah, uh, the chess murder. Um, there, there was a, there was a case where it was like, he was the former world champion and he's going up against the new world champion because the former world champion was forced to retire for some reason. Uh -huh. And they play a chess match against each other in a restaurant using random crap on the table. And the killer loses. And that causes him to go into a spiral where he ultimately tries to kill. And then later on kills his opponent. And the thing that Columbo latched onto was, now who won the game? <laughs> just like, that was one of the things he was like, now who won? Just so why did he? Just so just like <laughs> politely and like midwesternly just needling them. <laughs> and it's so good. It's so oh, I loved it. I loved it. Okay, so let's actually circle back a little bit because we were talking about uh, prescription murder, the first. Uh, the first, yes. um, the first, you know, canonical Columbo thing, I guess. The TV movie. Yeah. The first one. I fucking, I, I am blanking on the actor's name. I don't know him. <laughs> like, all these people are, 
like ancient like Peter Falk. There it is. Yeah, the first Peter Falk Columbo thing. Oh, Columbo himself. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess let's walk through let's walk through your deductive reasoning in that first ep- in that first thing. Okay, it's been a little while, so um Yeah, so I so for setup to those who don't know. The first thing is a doctor. He's like having this uh, big party with his wife. They're all kind of hanging out, talking and stuff. Uh, but he's been cheating on his wife with this very young actress. I yeah. say very and young. And we say he's a doctor. Specifically, he is a psychiatrist, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I say young. This dude's like 50. She's like in her mid-20s. Yeah. So there, there is an age difference. There's an age difference, but it's still all very legal. There's no, uh, there's no uh, questioning going on in that. <laughs> yeah, this this came out in the seventies, so I wanted to make sure. But anyway, so yeah, so he is cheating on his wife, and his wife is suspicious. So he tells his wife, "Hey, honey, I wasn't cheating on you. I was, I was with, I was at the office talking to the talking to like my colleague to get some time off because we're going to Mexico, baby." And she's like, "Oh, that's wonderful." Then he strangles her. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that that might like I just actually rewatched the first half of this with my mother yesterday because I was visiting with her. Yeah, and she honed in on like any mistake he could have made. Actually, like, oh, that's got to be one of the things. And then I was like, just watch the episode. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's what Columbo is. It's just it's just hey, how do they fuck up? And so yeah, strangles her, uh, takes a bunch of their like valuables and stuff, throws it into a suitcase. Uh, breaks the wind, breaks like the uh, pa- uh patio door because they have like a balcony thing. Uh, mm-hmm. breaks that outside in. I uh, just kind of leaves her there, and then gets his actress girlfriend to dress up in his wife's clothes. Yeah, he set up the entire scene to make it look like it was a robbery. He took a bunch of the silver and tossed it into his luggage so that he could dispose of it while he was in Mexico, for example. Yeah, he um, he just throws it over the edge of a boat into the ocean. He has his actress girlfriend portray his wife so that he can skew time of death. Yeah. They, the two of them go to the airport, get in the plane, get into a fight. She leaves. And then he goes down to Mexico and everyone's just like, I mean, yeah, he was there with the person who was like, kind of dressed like his wife, had the same hair and everything. I mean, I mean, she said he was his wife and she looked like him. So, but this is actually the first part that both works against him and for him, in my opinion. Okay. His wife wasn't dead. What do you mean? She was almost dead. So they put her in the hospital and she was in a coma. Right. So there was no time of death to cloud. <laughs> like, like they couldn't be like, well, body temp says she was dead the night before. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also, I also gotta love like this dude puts this entire plan into motion and then doesn't make sure his wife's dead. Yeah. He <laughs> says, this is the entire plan to kill my wife. Fuck. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Like, like he does strangle her, but my, like my, my mom actually was like, well, yeah, after you're being strangled by someone, just play dead. Yeah. Also, he, he <laughs> strangled her like they succeeded. He also strangled her from behind. Yeah. Which. Well, that's a bit iffy, but that's one of the ones where I was like, yeah, no, but the bad guy could have seen her in the room he was planning on robbing and just been like, eh, screw it. She doesn't matter and strangled her. Like, Yeah, but eh. it's it's the idea of 
anytime I see somebody strangle somebody, I just think of that bit from Scrubs. Where there, which bit are you referring to? Th- there was a there was a guy who was like very like nice, and JD really didn't like him, I believe, and so JD had like a like hallucinate like one of his like flash d- daydream things where he's like strangling mm-hmm. him, and the doc and the guy's like, no, no, you're not doing it right. Get your, get your thumbs lower, really like close the trick. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Stop helping me. Yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like him with all of the pressure on the back of her neck to push her trachea into his hands. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but so the first thing for me that I was actually suspicious on, when I was like, oh, that's probably going to be a thing was like the way he set up the phone call, like some, he like had scheduled, basically scheduled someone to call him. And I was like, oh yes, the wife's getting changed. It was like, that's going to make a funky timeline, but that had nothing to do with the case. No. So no. that was the first thing that made me suspicious. And I was like, oh, that doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then Columbo just like, he didn't call out to his wife when he walked in the door. Yeah. But I mean, my wife like never responds when I call out to her. So I'd probably give up on that at some, at some point. Have you given up yet? Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like half the time I'll come back from doing something and it'll be like, She's not even going to respond if I say hi. So I'm just going to go put away the stuff I was getting and then go back upstairs. <laughs> like half, the, like two thirds of the time, at most, I'll get hi shouted from the top of the stairs. And then she gets mad at her father for doing the same thing. I'm, I'm just like, honey, please. I'm just expecting in the middle of this. You just like turn away from the mic and I just hear heard you was talking shit, son. <laughs> She's not home right now. I'm safe. <laughs> the car flies through the window. <laughs> Uh, One more thing, you son of a bitch. But the thing that I did latch on to was, well, if he dumped the silverware, unless he brings something heavy back, that's going to be sus. <laughs> and that was one of the things that, yeah, I know. I know. I've been on the internet too much. Yeah. Oh, um, I, and, uh, and that's one of the things Columbo latches on to. He's like, by the way, why was your bag so much lighter? And I'm like, ha And he was like, trade journals. Are you fucking kidding me? Those things are so expensive. <laughs> You're not leaving those behind. I don't care how wealthy you are. And Columbo doesn't let it go either. So I was like, good on you, man. Yeah. Good on. Uh, uh, so good. Yeah. Um, and then, like, my, my, my wife's favorite part about that episode is when, like, Columbo gets to the actress and convinces her to play her part in faking her death. Yeah. So that it's like, yeah, he'll be happy you're gone. Watch, and it's like, yeah, just, oh, just basically makes a bet with her. Oh, you're 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 okay with me being dead? Then I'm gonna tell them everything. He's the murderer. I just helped. Yeah, again, it's playing in, it's playing into the ego of these people because that's the big like that's the big flaw in that in the in my opinion there like every case has one big flaw and the other flaws are just threads that lead to it. Yeah, and the the co-conspirator was the big flaw in that case. He usually is. <laughs> it's just you, you, you. She made she made, she started off making a mistake by not getting rid of the gloves, and then she continues to make mistake after mistake after mistake. Yeah, and it just compounds. Yeah, reasonable and mistakes. I absolutely because, yeah. adore it. Reasonable mistakes because she's not a fucking murderer and is now helping cover up a murder. Mm-hmm. 
Watch Columbo, people. It's on Freebie in America. <laughs> it's on Freebie. And also, every episode is on the Internet Archive. Watch it. It's so good. It's very good. But do not ask for a remake. No, Peter Peter Falk is Columbo. I'm not even saying that. I just know that it would turn into some, like, fucking YA rom-com bullshit. <laughs> Where every every character Columbo goes up against is like a 17th degree hacker black belt. Yeah, they also give Columbo a first name. Yeah, that was the other thing that we were trying to figure out. Does he have first name? Uh, so there are a couple of shots where you see his badge and there is a first name listed there. But the creator has said, I didn't give him a first name. Yeah. So Columbo, yeah. I fucking adore it. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> On to the next thing I adore. So, every Christmas and most birthdays, I turn to Birdie and say, Hey, what's next on the list of things that I want to watch that I can't watch anymore that you're buying me DVDs for? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, then I honestly, I continually add to the list. So, he's like, we're never going to run out. It's like, oh, yeah, about that thing. And he'll be like, all right, I'll add it to the list. So, uh, the most recent... Um, acquirement was Legion of Superheroes. Legion of Superheroes is basically like Teen Titans in the future. Um, it is it is a collection of young teen to adult superheroes who exist in I think the year three thousand or something like that. Uh, the thirty first century. And this is a DC product before DC shit the bed. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is back and, in the golden age DC TV, and we've you've got you. We start with a somewhat limited cast of characters, as you should in a in an ensemble show like this. Uh, we start with Lightning Lad, Bouncing Boy. Uh, Lightning Lad can make lightning. Bouncing Boy can turn into a ball and can inflate himself. Triplicate Girl can make up to three copies of herself, and they're all technically individual personalities. Like that one's a like I'm not 100% sure on Triplicate Girl. Uh Mars Girl I think is one of them. Saturn Girl. Saturn Girl, Saturn Girl and she's a psychic. Um I know I'm forgetting people. Uh, the the most important character that it, that is in the beginning of Legion of Superheroes is Brainiac 5. Yes. Um because a, a 12th he's level like, intellect. <laughs> He is our Robin of the group and also, like, primary character, in my opinion, especially in Season 2. Uh, I, If you can't tell, I'm not really happy about that aspect. Yeah. Uh, the other two characters you missed, Phantom Girl and Timberwolf. I knew I forgot Phantom Girl. Timberwolf yeah. comes in later. Timberwolf uh, yeah. is not in the initial uh, uh, lineup. Looking at Wikipedia pages list, Core Legionnaires. But he's not in the initial lineup. I was doing the initial lineup. But I like to, like Phantom Girl can phase through objects. Mars Girl, uh, Saturn Girl is a psychic, like literally just like oh yeah, psychic powers. She that, can, that's she can read minds said. and do do mind shenanigans. Um, but like they're for the first episode, they're running through scenarios because it's like, hey, this group of super bad guys broke out, and they're like, we're gonna murk your ass, and half the team is a galaxy away. What do we do? <laughs> and they're like. Why don't we cr re recruit young Superman? We have time travel. I'm like, you have time travel. Yeah, they have time travel. <laughs> it's just like, just go back to when they escaped and say, no, 
bad people, but it's probably you can't interact with your own timeline or something. I don't know the rules. But so they pick up Superman. Well, Superboy at this point, And they're like, hey, help us out. And he's like, I'm just a farm boy. <laughs> I don't I don't know nothing about no super fighting. Uh, I'm just out here trying to bench press a fucking tractor. I don't know anything about fighting. <laughs> they space they actually end up like convincing him to go after helping him save a Ferris wheel of people. <laughs> and like like nobody noticed at first. And then like when everybody did notice, Saturn Girl is just like, and forget. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Yep. Just I'm the only one with an evil superpower. I'm good now. Bye. <laughs> I don't like mind powers. Yeah, mind powers are always always skeevy. But at least she doesn't abuse them. <laughs> like at any point, she doesn't really abuse yeah, them. Yeah, at least she doesn't at least she doesn't go full Miss Martian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh just ends, up, just ends up lobotomizing Clark Kent just for just the hell of it. So our uh, our Superboy goes back to the future and helps them fight off crime, uh, and like creates a future Lex Luthor in this. Uh, I think her name is Alexandra or something like that, and like she gets a crush on him that turns into the whole evil super stalker crush of. Well, if you don't have friends anymore, then you can spend all your time with me. Yay, my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, she's not really much of a character. Like, as in, she doesn't show up much. <laughs> like, I think she's in, like, <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> like, they were obviously setting stuff up to be able to, like, have, like, five or six seasons. They got two. Yep. Because they made the worst decision possible for season two. Uh, <laughs> and season two is where my problems really start to shine. Okay. So... Legion of Superheroes did one thing really well. It aged its characters. There's a time skip between season one and season two, and the characters visibly age and, you know, mature in their behaviors. Brainiac 5 goes from hero-worshipping Superman to straight-up writing fanfics where Superman tells him he's the best thing ever and then living them in their VR deck. <laughs> Oh, tight. And then a Superman comes from the future. <laughs> this Superman is from a half-destroyed future where he was cloned from the original Superman's DNA and infused with kryptonite so that he is the edgiest of boys. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yes. During the cloning process, they infused him with kryptonite to remove one of his major weaknesses. And he is literally the edgiest of boys because he can project kryptonite blades from his hands. God, that's like Deadpool curing his cancer by being given more cancer. It is the dumbest thing I had seen. Like, And I, when I was a kid, I was like, can't we get regular Superman back? I hate this guy. Yeah, evil Superman's boring. And then we got regular Superman. <laughs> Huzzah! So we had both of them. Fuck. And like, <laughs> just, like just, fuck, I, I was just sitting hell. there like, God damn it, do we really have to deal with these people? Oh, okay, fine. And Brainiac is annoying. Uh, Super Edge is annoying. But everyone else is still great. <laughs> like, like, it's just those two characters. 
but so much of the show fixates on them that it kind of drowns out the episodes that are centered on other characters. Because I can't remember much of what happens in season two beyond their characters just being annoying. Season one, there are a lot of great episodes. Uh, there's the substitute hero storyline where a team of people who got rejected from the Legion of Superheroes because they they just weren't like skilled enough with their powers uh, like team up to stop a planet-destroying bad guy who didn't realize he was destroying a planet. <laughs> and like the Legion is there, but they're fighting the thing that the planet destroyer is summoning. Cause like he summons little creatures that just float off. And once they reach the, uh, the upper atmosphere, they turn into ozone sucking monsters, ah. which is really cool. And the substitute heroes actually take him down after they start to learn and figure out how to use their powers. Like, it's real. They're still not good enough to join the Legion, in my opinion. But like, yeah, but they, they're really they need, impressive yeah. to me. They, it's a trick they pulled in fucking Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Just hey, everyone, everyone important is away. Let's have Vigilante, Shining Knight, and fucking Booster Gold fight the General. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a I spectacular one. That was awesome. I fucking love that episode. Um, the only person around power, the only person around here with powers is you, son. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I need to watch that again. I think I have the Justice League on DVD. I also love that lady was. <laughs> You're the only one around here with powers, son. Meanwhile, not mentioning the immortal knight on the magic horse. Shh. Physically, he's human. <laughs> With a magic sword, <laughs> but anyway, uh, another great episode is uh, uh, another great episode is uh, there. They ha basically have like space Olympics, and one of the legionnaires is in the space Olympic Olympics. And at first, you're like, "Hey, doesn't having superpowers mean that he has an unfair advantage?" But no, half of the legion are just normal aliens. Like for their species, they're normal. Yeah. And like that's just a thing. It's just like, yeah, you're normal you're normal for your species. We don't care that you have superpowers. Get out there and entertain us. And I'm just like that's just a mind blow moment of holy crap. If everyone's special, that doesn't mean you're not still special. It just means you can be treated like a normal person. And I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. And like the whole subplot of the episode is, yeah, there's a group trying to blow up the place, but like half the episode is dedicated to watching Lightning Lad trying to win the Space Olympics <laughs> while his brother is being a big piece of shit. <laughs> There's another episode where Lightning Lad is upset with the way the Legion is working and how they're just not being as effective as he wants. So I think it's Lightning Lad. I'm pretty sure it's Lightning Lad. So he joins up with like a group that like is pseudo like the Legion, but they seem to be more effective at the moment. But it turns out that they're actually just scumbag criminals who are running a protection racket. <laughs> so it's, it's, oh, and his brother joins them or something. It's, oh, it's so good. I guess, oh, every, I love, I guess everyone's got to have their own The Elite. I love the Legion of Superheroes so much. It, that was one of the shows that, like, was, like, in my childhood that I really hated when it got canceled. 
Because every character in it, even even Brainiac 5 and Super Edge, have like depth of character and you want to get to know them. And I really feel like we were deprived of that by having it canceled when it was. Yeah, and kind of like describing it, reading a bit about it, it does kind of... I'm probably way off the mark of this, maybe, maybe not. It does kind of feel like a prototype or framework for what they ended up doing at least partially structurally with like young justice and stuff like that i could definitely see that where it's like hey we but got i this, think where it's like hey we I got this the, we got this like it's gonna be it's gonna be an ensemble show about this team of young people and then next season we're gonna do this big time jump and turn into like a darker theme yeah and i think the biggest benefit for legion that was kind of like like it's a benefit both ways but I think it. I think Legion benefited from not being tied into the main timeline. Yeah, that's fair. Like you didn't have a Joker running around. You didn't have a Superman. You didn't have Jor El running around. Like well, well, was, well, well. Season one, they did have Superman because they had Clark Kent. Well, and yes, jo- and Jor El's not running but, anywhere. He's dead. True. You don't have Zod to worry about. There we go. But like, and it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a fully established Superman, though. That's the big thing. It wasn't a Superman after I've had two decades of experience. Yeah, it wasn't. Which it, is who they probably should have gone for. Yeah, it was. It was a team of heroes learning to be a team of heroes by themselves, and not a team of heroes trying to prove themselves to a more established team of heroes. There was no. There was no. Ha ha! We're better than you. Pissing matches. Oh, those were always annoying. There was no. I want to eat at the adults' table. Moments. <laughs> Fucking speedy. <sighs> I love, I love, I love Young Justice. Man, did it just, just veer like so many times. Like he was driving down an icy road and it just kept kicking the steering wheel. <sighs> anyway. And even the edgy moments weren't that edgy. But I adore the show. If you can get your hands on it, I recommend it. Um, don't ask for them to uh, continue it because Warner Brothers. Oh God! Good old Warner Brothers anyway. discovery. <laughs> but anyway, on to uh, the tie-in for uh, this episode: Glass Onion. Yeah, I watched that too. Man, I love Benoit Blanc. <laughs> I enjoy Benoit Blanc. Movie wasn't as good. No, it was not as good as Knives Out. It was not as good as Knives Out, but in I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was pretty much it's pretty much like less than Knives Out in almost every category for me. Has it been out long enough that we can uh, talk spoilers? I think so. It's been like a month. I didn't catch the glass switching scene. I did, and then the movie kind of gaslit me into thinking I saw it wrong and that I didn't go back and check. I refused to go back and check because I felt like that would be unfair to the movie. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like that but, was the thing. Like I saw him like hand the guy his glass, and then did the and then they did the jump, and then they did like the flashback earlier. And I was like, "Oh, hey, they're doing a flashback thing from a different perspective. Oh, that's cool." And then just kind of missed it because, like, so much of the style of Knives Out is gone in this movie. Yeah, like the editing and the camera work stuff. Uh, it all just feels a lot more flat, a lot less interesting, a lot less effort was put into it. I actually thought they changed cinematographers, but they didn't. 
I, I uh, let, let's start at the top. Let's start at the top. I love hated the fucking Among Us joke. <laughs> yeah, because the movie is set. The movie is set right at, like the height of the pandemic, height of the lockdown, when Among Us was really taken off. Yep, everybody's playing Among Us. Yeah, everybody's oh, playing JB Among Us. Fletcher playing Among Us. Everybody's playing Among Us. Everybody's fucking making bread. Oh yeah, that is when my wife really kicked off her bread hobby. People fucking started making bread, and it's weird. Just it's like I don't, I do not know why. When everyone was like, "Hey, you can't leave your house," everyone, everyone sat down and was like, "I need a sourdough starter." It's probably in part because, like, I don't want to say it to be mean, but bread, like bread making and baking, is one of those somewhat easy hobbies that gives you that immediate payoff yeah baking is fine if, if people got into like baking and it was like hey i got these new hey, like, hey i made blondies for the first time hey i made brownies hey i made cupcakes it's everyone made bread and that's it well bread's very useful and when you can't just go to the store to buy the bread i mean yeah you're going to the store to buy the flour but yeah you like, understand the base premise like, I can understand the mindset that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make some bread. I can't. I am just like. I, I love that we got to see Benoit Blanc's partner. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if they were just roommates, but we know Benoit is gay. That, so. that, that was. When people saw that, like, like the movie, the, the movie doesn't, doesn't like make a big show of it of like, this dude comes out, like shows wedding ring first. Hi, just like like opens the door like right like with the hand like with the left hand yeah, like just fully displaying the wedding ring. Yes, can I help you? Just opens the door and then just a rainbow appears in front of him, <laughs> like a fucking Twitter I'm profile Pepper. picture. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he just kind of over there was like, "Hey, can I help you?" Hey, Benny, you gotta give it, get a visitor. And then everyone's like, "Are you still in the bath?" Yeah. Then everyone's like, "Yo, is Benoit gay?" And Ryan Johnson just comes out and comes out in an interviews like. Yeah, of course he is. Yes. Absolutely. What, is that a problem? <laughs> yeah. I thought I made that as clear as I could without just painting it on the screen. I thought it was, like, reasonably obvious from the first one. Well, no, the first one, he just kind of... The first one, he didn't seem like anything. Eh. Like, he, like, like, yeah, he was a little bit flamboyant, but he's also Southern. As someone who is Southern. <laughs> You're the wrong kind of Southern. <laughs> What you mean I'm the wrong kind of southern? <laughs> Just switch accents yeah, on the fly. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, the affect you're putting on. If that was your natural cadence, then yeah, but no. <laughs> no, my nat my natural cadence can only be revealed when I really get into talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it... Like, the first one there was kind of nothing about him in a sexual or relationship capacity because there didn't need to be because he wasn't the main no. character. No. But then this one, they kind of they kind of make him the main character, and that's honestly where a lot of it... That's honestly a problem, I think, with that movie, is just, like, Benoit is cool. Benoit is an interesting character. I think he works better as the, like... I think he works better the as the side... Yeah, as the sidekick to the main focal point character. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, which, um, this, which this movie, you kind of don't really get that until the back half. Yes, and mm, okay. Let's let's talk about the actual like the storyline. So Benoit supposedly gets a uh, invitation to go to a murder mystery party, 
and like he meets up with everybody and we've got our standard knives out super trash yeah like, they they're all just like seriously they're all just like rich like upper class uh, shitbags yeah uh it's a it's a politician uh, a we got a politician, a scientist who's probably the most reasonable one of them. Yeah, largely, um, largely because he's the one with the like most practical skill set. Uh, we've got a, a like, Twitch, like, a man first Twitch streamer, and his girlfriend. Yep. Uh, we have a faded social media star. We have a faded uh, classical media star who keeps fucking up and posting shit to Twitter. Yeah, which like. I don't know if I was reading too much into this, but it felt to me like she and her assistant were a thing. They weren't. It felt like it. So I it just, never. I was got reading that. too much into it. Yeah, I never got that. It was. I never got anything from. I never got anything from like the two of them as a couple. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, that's why I was like, I might have been reading into it too much because that's entirely possible with me. Yeah, and then, um. Other two people worth, no- well, other three people worth noting. Uh, guy hosting the party. It's it's Elon Musk. It's just Elon it's, Musk. It's it's a cartoonish parody of Elon Musk. So it's Elon Musk. Yeah, actually, you're right. When the, when the dude was forced to buy Twitter, he walked into the office carrying a sink. What do you mean when he was forced to buy Twitter? He started buying Twitter as a joke, tried to back out of it, and then was forced to pay like multiple times what it was actually worth to get it. He paid forty-four billion, nowhere That's near the like like astronomically more expensive than Twitter was valued at. That is hilarious. Yeah, then he's like, "I meant to do this," and then showed up Twitter office as day one of ownership, carrying a sink. Oh lord, but yeah, so. Uh, you, we also have the, uh, jilted ex genius lover character, not a lover. Yeah. They were just friends. That's right. They were, they were business partners. Like, like, like the Elon in this world kind of like got big off of this company that got founded off of a like programming idea that he sketched onto a napkin. Supposedly, supposedly she, like she, uh, the, the the partner played by Janelle Monet, who does a wonderful job. She's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. She she was she was like you know the one running the business. She was she was like the one like behind not behind the scenes. She was the yeah, she, actually she was the one, she was the one behind the scenes. She was like behind the scenes no, running the company, she, making sure things were she actually wasn't working. Even beside, behind the scenes, she just wasn't like shoving her face into popular media as much as he was. Yeah, uh, Edward Norton, the Elon, uh, Miles Braun. Man, he is great at playing characters I want to beat the shit out of. So good. Fucking Birdman was awesome. He's so good in Birdman. Have you seen Birdman? Nope. Watch Birdman. Maybe. Yeah, it's about Michael Keaton. You know, the guy who played Batman? Uh, playing, a, playing a character who is only known for his uh, role as a superhero in the 90s, trying to make a break onto Broadway. <laughs> wow. And that then just sucks. falling deeper into depression, and he might have telekinesis. Okay, <laughs> it's great. It's fucking. It's a it's a so, great movie. But anyway, so that's that's our cast of characters Wait. plus what? Forgot one guy. 
I was, I was about to say, plus the guy who's wandering around the background. Is that who yeah. you're about to Yeah, get? plus Miles' <laughs> buddy who's just living on the island. Yeah, he's just there. He's yeah. just, like, he's constantly just, stop. And yeah. I was like, so you're the red herring. Yeah, for reference also, the the cop who wasn't uh, Lakeith Stanfield in the first movie. Yeah. It's that yeah. actor. Just a Birdie different character entirely. Birdie pointed that out to me. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like a buddy of like I guess a buddy of Ryan Johnson's who's just like, hey, you want to be in the movie? I what well, here's I here's my headcanon. Same guy. <laughs> he's still he's still, he's that cop. He was there to basically like like he was there to help prevent the guy from being murdered. Like he's like in my head, he was actually friends with Shitbag, and he was like, you're running a murder party with a bunch of people who probably want to kill you. I'm going to be there. Period. <laughs> That's why he was there. I mean, it just happened to go the other way. I mean, if you like being wrong, you can believe that. Yep. I do like being wrong. <laughs> I talk to you all the time, don't I? Yeah. Because, no, he wasn't. He was just a stoner dude who was there for a joke. Yeah, because, I know. He was just a stoner dude. But Because Ryan Johnson. Because Ryan Johnson just. These movies are comedies. Yeah. Oh, I love how no one caught on to the fact that the dock was a piece of shit. Yeah, it's just this massive, <laughs> massive like, glass like, oh, dock that can't move. Like, like, I looked at it, I was like, that is a terrible design. That is going to be so slippery constantly. Yeah, constantly slippery. Not, like, so fragile, you have to be super careful with it. I don't think it can, like, rise and fall with the tides. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That was one of the problems. Yeah, it was. They, they literally like come in, tide comes down, and they just like this reveal this like massive, ornately carved glass dock, and it's like, all right, get the boat. Use that shit. Yeah, let me get, get the boat, and we gotta leave. And it's like, oh, we can't. Uh, tide's too high. Uh, we the it, the dock doesn't float. <laughs> the dock is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, because that's also one of the reveals. They like because all this is on an island. They all get, get uh, boated out to this island, uh, where there's this massive fucking complex that miles braun built mm-hmm. and when they get out there uh they're talking to, like one of the local guys who was running the boat and they're trying and i think i think the doctor was talking to him the scientist yeah the scientist was talking to the captain and the captain gets like a piece of shite and the he was like oh the doc's name is a piece of shite okay yeah, like, like the island's name is that all this other stuff just and, and then just there's like Right when things start going wrong, and he's like, "Yeah, we can't get the boat back," and then just he goes over to the head, "Piece of shit, motherfucker!" <laughs> they were warning us. Yeah, because things kick off, like really kick off, uh, when uh, Dave Batista dies. Yeah, and we actually got a clue to how he was murdered earlier in the in the movie. Because in the beginning, they're all shot with a thing that's like, ah, you're clean from COVID now. Well, shot. And I'm it's, just... It's, it's, ba- it's basically a high-pressure, like, spritzer. And I'm just like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Blanc, if you don't put your mask back on right now, I'm going to lose uh, some respect for you. <laughs> oh, you're keeping it off. Okay. And he and uh, Batista says, uh, the Duke don't do pineapple." Yeah, or doesn't do, party with pineapple or something. Yeah, dude, don't mess with pineapple. Allergic. Yeah. And that's a hint that he's allergic to pineapple. That's, that's not a hint that he's allergic to pineapple. That's just, that's just telling us he's allergic to pineapple. He literally says, I am allergic to pineapple. 
No, he doesn't. I don't remember him saying that. I do. I'll have to rewatch the movie. I hate when I miss clues. Like, again, I don't... <laughs> what? Is it a clue if he's just telling you? Yes. Because then that cements that this is probably how he was killed. Because we also know about the Bahama Mama drink, which, I mean, it's a fruity island drink. It's going to contain pineapple juice. It's one of the easiest go-tos. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. So, yeah, we get the first half of the movie up until yeah. him up until him dying. Which, there's a funny as hell moment when Benoit Blanc is like, uh, have we started the mystery? Here, let me ruin it for you entirely before it's even, uh, before you've even been murdered. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like Edward Norton is like giving out the concept of the thing. It's like, it's like, hey, we're going to be having this amount of days. We're going to be doing this, this, this. Clues be all over the island. We're going to figure out who did it and why. And then Benoit's like, oh, have we started yet? Oh, wonderful. Birdie did it. <laughs> and then just goes through the entire thing and finishes before the fake murder happens. It's, it's great. That, that that scene is great. And then from there, it gets weird. And it gets weird in a way that is that is contextualized in the back half of the movie, but that doesn't mm-hmm. really fully make up for it because it's still really fucking weird. Yeah. So... The next half of the movie is just people going, kind of going around the island uh, doing things. It's kind of talking, setting up motives and shit. And yeah, Benoit just keeps... doing yeah. in a murder mystery. And Benoit just keeps being there. Yep. <laughs> He's just around. Yeah, like like Dave Bautista, uh, he, he keeps saying Dave. He, he like, he's like out for a jog, then stops dead in his tracks, staring forward, turns 90 degrees, and then just walks straight into the bushes. <laughs> Where he mm-hmm. finds his girlfriend fucking where he finds his girlfriend cheating on him with Miles with Miles. And then from behind and then from behind Batista, Benoit pops out from behind a tree. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. Um Birdie's assistant. Just assi- out of left field. Yeah. Uh, Birdie's assistant runs up and talks to Miles where where Miles is basically saying, Hey, if Birdie wants to not end up in the shit, she has to fully admit take- to running a sweatshop. Yeah, she has to take the deal. And Birdie thought a sweatshop was where you made sweatpants. Yep, because she's an idiot. She, that, yep. That's the joke of her character. Yep. When she, and I feel bad for her. When she is introduced, uh, she tried to uh, Alexa a song into a lamp. She compared herself to Harriet Tubman and dressed up as Beyonce for Halloween. And given the nature of these characters, it was full blackface. Yeah, because for reference, she's played by Kate Hudson. Who plays the character perfect? She does so good with the character. Like everyone in this fucking movie is really good at playing their characters. Like it's it's always genuinely surprising to me how much Batista like tries. Yeah, he's really good, and I like I really hate him, and I actually like the guy. Yeah, but he's Batista is a shockingly good actor, and. A lot of that does come from the fact that he is enthusiastic about being an actor and puts his entire ass into everything he does. Mm-hmm. I am interested. My, my, my favorite, one of my favorite lines, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> yeah. I am genuinely interested in an M. Night Shyamalan movie because Batista's in it. I'm not. <laughs> I say interested. It doesn't mean I'm going to actually go out and see it. But so... Like the big moment comes like after the reveal when the Duke is like, Hey, look at this. And then he gets poisoned. And I saw the two glasses and I said, 
the Duke, uh, the Duke was ha- like the Duke got the wrong glass. He's yeah. probably like Miles probably handed him the wrong glass or put the wrong glass on the table next to the Duke so he could accidentally die. Because the way I, the way it looked like to me when they were doing the oh he took my glass, it looked like Miles put his glass in front of the Duke's. Uh, it's so always looked to me like it was intentional. Well, yeah, because so in the actual shot. Miles just literally hands him the glass. Doesn't even put it yeah. down. Just, he, in, just the it in, shot, yeah, in the original shot. Uh, yeah, in the original. The shot, Duke is reaching for a glass. Uh, no, no. Duke is Duke, so Duke isn't reaching for a glass. Miles walks in, sits down, and goes, "Hey, look at that dress!" And then just puts the glass in his hand. Yeah, you're right. And then in the flashback that we see, it's him. He puts the glass down on the table, kind of in front of the Duke, and then Duke reaches down and grabs it. Which which is Miles gaslighting. But just Miles gaslight, like trying to like just lie, lie to everybody, and then the movie gaslighting the audience. Yeah, which I mean makes sense. It's a good way to try and like make your audience do the double take because the ones that are really paying attention are like, "No movie, you're gaslighting me." Yeah. Then I survived yeah. enough of that. Yeah. Then lights go out. Everyone runs away because they're all fucking terrified because someone died. Now the lights are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Walk goes and finds the business partner, who then gets shot from behind a mirror. Oh. Yeah, it's then Ben, it, then and then everyone uh, like reconvenes, sees partner dead, Benoit single tear rolling down the eye, which uh, that was weird. Yeah, they explain it, yeah, but they, they explain uh, it, but in the moment, there's another important clue. Uh, that is, uh, uh, the Duke's phone starts going off, making a notification, and yeah, that, that was like everybody's like, "Where's his phone? Where'd it go? We got to turn it off." And you actually see it. It's in it's in it's in, it's in Miles' attention. pocket. And Miles clearly stated earlier he does not own a cell phone. He only has a network of he only has a uh, chain of networked uh, fax machines. Because he's weird. Yeah. So like those are the two big clues that something funky is up. Yeah. Which, like, here's so here's how bad I am at mysteries. I saw both of those and didn't put two and two together. I was trying to figure out how the hell he uh, he shot her. Oh, he, he picked up a gun. Yeah, I realized I learned now in the end. But at that time, I was like, when did he have time? Yeah, so that all happens. Gets inside. Um, and then someone's like, was like, hey, you want to see what's going on, detective? And then cuts to a few weeks earlier where turns out the Janelle Monet we've been following has been that character's twin sister pretending to be her. As they call it, the rich bitch. Yeah, it was it was a character that they played when they were kids because they because Janelle Monet on the island is like just talking, you know, regular. Mm-hmm. And then Janelle Monet, the character, is like, "Well, hey there, Benoit Blanc. I gotta tell you, what, I gotta tell you what, buddy. I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> hey there, I'm from Idaho. Who the ho? Idaho, or like Kentucky anyway. or something." And I love how, like, so they, like, in the beginning of the movie, they all received a puzzle box invitation, <laughs> and she just tears into it with a hammer. Yeah, yeah, they they were all, like, yeah, everyone was like, like, all right, I gotta solve this, 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 this. Oh, God, it's so fucking complex. Dude's a genius. And then she just hits it with a hammer. And then when Benoit talks about it later, it's like, I got he, this. He compares yeah. it to a bunch of children's yeah. puzzles. Because they are. Yeah. <sighs> like, it's, that, the entirety the entirety of this movie is just simplicity and idiocy 
viewed by fucking shitheads as brilliance. It it's simplicity and idiocy masked by enough money that you think it's brilliance. Yeah. That's what it is. Because one of the things that Miles like does is he he hired like writers to help him come up with shit. And like like uh Janelle no- Monet, what was her character's name? Uh Andy? I think it was yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the I think the character she was playing for the majority of the movie was Andy. But I don't remember Andy's sister's name at all. I am looking it up now. Helen. But, yeah. Helen has been going around the whole time just trying to like gather evidence for Blanc. Yeah, and we see we see like bits of that where she's just like kind of like walks into like walks into frame at an opportune moment for people and then they just kind of start talking to her. Mm-hmm. Because uh, she she left a tape recorder in Bertie's purse. Yeah, which I went back and checked out that scene earlier. Given the context, she, we do see her drop it in in the original shot. Huh. It's literally like cool. it's literally like two frames. You see it like you see it like come into frame and then drop it to the back. Yeah, she also gets drunk off of kava kombucha. Kombucha. That's it. Kombucha. Yeah. Jared Leto's kombucha. Fuck. Yeah, like half the time I'm like, you're just name dropping to sound cool. <laughs> well, who mirror the movie? The movie, like the characters in the movie, is like, oh yes, this is Jared Leto's kombucha. It's like, yeah. <laughs> again, it's kind of playing into, it's playing into the, sh- it's playing into like the shithead rich guy thing of just being around so many fucking famous people. Mm-hmm. Just, it's like, hey, I need, I need to, ma- I need to up my own like social stock, so I'm going to ingratiate myself to like famous people who are beloved uh but i guess at that time that was before this, i guess this was like filmed and written before morbius and a lot of the shit about jared little's weird sex cult came out Mm-hmm. oh yeah so yeah, and like, like, and like it's, it's like fucking yes serena williams just like standing on a video call to train somebody when they walk into a room yeah it's so weird <laughs> but it's ultimately revealed that uh he killed andy oh sorry Miles actually did. we we need to rewind it because we missed actually important part. Oh, what did I miss? Uh, before all of this murder mystery shit happened, Andy died. Yeah, she was uh, found after having, I believe, committed suicide. That's what they believed. The scene was set up to make it look like she had uh, killed herself using her car exhaust. Yeah. But Helen is like, yeah, that's not fucking possible. Yeah. Because Andy uh, had, Andy had sent out an email to Every single one of these people, um, a group that Miles Braun calls the disruptors. Because they want to sound important. Yeah. The idea of, we're not getting into it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so sent out an email saying, sent out an email with a picture of Andy holding a red envelope saying, I found it. Y'all, y'all, y'all have a chance to be on the right side of history. I'm taking Miles down. Mm-hmm. Then envelope disappeared. She dies. Uh, Helen gets the box and then smashes it open, finds the invitation, goes to Benoit Blanc. And Benoit says, well, Cher, why don't you help me to solve this? Yeah. And that's, that is a thing I like. I do like that, uh, that like Benoit, at least in like both the, um, at least in both the things we've seen so far requires a sidekick. Yeah. He needs someone else to help him. Like that makes like it. 
oh, I love, I love, I love this, and I want more. Yeah. I just like, I it's it's always a struggle to get past the assholes in the beginning. Yeah, and so then they set up the plan. She is disguised as her sister. Uh, also, it's a plot element I don't really like. Uh, Andy had a bunch of journals that basically laid out every single character's motivation and reason for potentially being the reason she died. Oh, fun. Did you not? I, I, for, I forgot about that. Maybe I was in the bathroom when that happened. Yeah, it was just, she just had this fucking stack of journals that just kind of like laid out all that shit. And it, it's just, it wasn't, the shit isn't, the shit wasn't as tight as the first movie. Yeah, no, it wasn't as tight as the first movie. Yeah, and then and then the, and the back of the movie is just redoing the first half, but with new context and seeing new footage. Where oh, the reason Benoit was like sneaking around and happened to be everywhere was because he was intentionally investigating. Yeah, the reason and Andy he was, was like he was meeting up with Andy periodically. Well, uh, Helen. fake Andy. Well, Helen. Yeah, yeah. The reason that Helen was the reason that like uh, Andy kept being so weird was because it was actually Helen pretending to be Andy. Um, and she didn't know any of these people. Yeah, character beats acting weird is because. They were set up that way, like Batiste, like a Duke uh, running in and running in and being weird about seeing his girlfriend. That's because he and his girlfriend had basically worked out a plan of, hey, you try to sleep with Miles so that I can get a fucking news anchor job on his fucking network. Fucking rhino boner pill hawker. Yeah. And uh, and like the and whiskey his uh, yeah whiskey uh, that's the character that's D- this Duke's girlfriend's character name who I liked du- I liked whiskey. She was fun. Yeah, she was fine. Yeah, uh, she was just like she, she talked to Helen at a certain point, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about any of this. I'm just using this to try to jumpstart my own career." Do you know how hard it is to be a woman on the internet? Yeah, but yeah, it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, my favorite line is actually so he's la- like Benoit is laying out everything that happened. And he gets to the murders and he gets mad. Yeah. Because he's like, you couldn't come up with anything. Your one murder with any kind of gravitas you stole from me. So, again, pulling back a bit for context. Yes. It gets, yeah, it comes out that Miles Braun killed Andy and also killed Duke and also killed. Uh, and also uh, killed Andy. Like, I uh, killed Andy again. Yeah. Well, tried to kill hand- Andy a second time. Yeah. Helen uh, survived the shooting. Yeah, he did all of that himself. And so he... Which I actually figured out how she could have survived that gunshot. What do you mean how she could have survived? They showed how she survived. Yeah, no. A, f- a book is not going to stop a forty-five caliber round. Was that forty-five caliber? I thought it was... it was either forty-five or nine mil, and the, a book that thick will not stop either. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, he but yeah. he'd been wearing it in the pool, which meant all of his powder was wet. If you need to say that to yourself, then okay. <laughs> Again, uh, for me, it just plays into this was not written as tight. The journals go. The, the journal goes from goes from. Hey, here's all the information we need to ha- to make, make suspects, and then it turns into. Oops, I lived. Yeah, it's 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 not good. That that bit is not good. 
No. Yeah. So Miles got the email. Uh, he it was faxed to him. Yeah. So as soon as he got it, he immediately drove to Andy's place, drugged her, put her in a car, drove away. As Duke was coming in, so he saw Miles leaving the leaving the property. He nearly pancaked him. Yeah, nearly pancaked him. Um, then, then they effect, then like Benoit effectively talked to some of his buddies and held off on the news of Andy being dead for a while. Just like it still wasn't announced. Because if it was announced and worldwide that, hey, this very famous woman is dead, then when all of her friends see her show up at this place, they'd be all like, okay, you're, who are you? How are you? I'm fine. Just a little dead. It's okay. Yeah, so kill, kill her. Um, Duke then finds out about it because he has like news alerts set up for literally everything. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> uh, tries to use that to leverage a deal into getting the anchor position. So Miles gives him a glass of whiskey filled with fucking pineapple juice. And earlier in the movie, Benoit had said, hey, you... You're literally setting up your own murder here. Yeah. His exact you words, might as well yeah, turn his, out the lights yeah. and put a gun on the table. Yeah, his exact words were like, you have brought every person who would mean you harm in the world to one island together. That's like putting a gun on the table and turning out the lights. And so that's what Miles did. Because, yeah, Miles is just a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's the big like, He keeps that, using words that don't mean what he thinks they mean. And that aren't words sometimes. Yep. Just things that sound important and, like, smart. And I have long joked and thought about writing a mystery where the mystery reveal is the reason it was so topsy and turvy is because the guy who did the mystery was a fucking idiot. And so everyone was looking for logic when there isn't any. And then I realized that why well, that might not be a good idea because this was incredibly unsatisfying. Yeah. I will agree there. I will agree. The final reveal of, oh yeah, it's just because he was an idiot. And then, okay, so the final like sequence of the movie is like a tantrum that ends up with the destruction of the Mona Lisa. Because <laughs> that's another stupid thing of this movie. Uh, Miles wanted to do something that would have his name mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. Yep. And Apparently, France was doing so badly that they rented him one of their national treasures. Yeah, he got the actual Mona Lisa. Uh, it, is, it was behind a sound-activated, uh, bulletproof, heat-proof, heat-resistant glass case that he turned that he put an off switch in. One of the stupidest parts of the movie. <laughs> like, I was willing to suspend disbelief for everything else, but then the Mona fucking Lisa. <laughs> eh. Oh, yeah, uh, the last thing that we actually have forgot to mention in terms of plot stuff. Um, all of this is also surrounding the development and rollout of a hydrogen based turbo fuel, a crystalline hydrogen substance. Yeah, that uh, could potentially, according to uh, fucking miles, be the future of clean energy. But according to the scientists, yeah, according to everyone else, it's like, oh, you want to make a billion Hindenburgs? 
Because, yeah, hydrogen gas is incredibly flammable. Yeah. It's not as dangerous as people think, but yeah. I feel like that much of it, though. Oh, yeah, no, that much of it, like, we'd, we'd have some problems. But, like, hydrogen fuel cell cars are really stable. Yeah, but that's because those are, like, that's because those don't, those don't secrete hydrogen gas into the atmosphere. Yeah, no. <sighs> this and, weird turbo yeah, fuel does. It, yeah, they... Like, literally, one of the last things Benoit does is hand her a drink and hand her the cr- uh, crystal of this super fuel and tell her they're basically go nuts. Yeah, because he, because like Miles, like, destroys evidence about the shit that he did. And it's like, hey, it's your word yeah, against mine. And I'm a It's the only piece of evidence. And I own everyone in this room. So you're fucked. Yeah. So she, because uh, she was dumb enough to hold it in front of him tauntingly. Yeah. Hold, hold the only piece of evidence, the original fucking napkin that showed that Miles Braun's a fraud. So she just, so he just grabs it and burns it. Well, he doesn't grab it and burn it. He just flicks his lighter under it because she made it easy. Yeah. And then, yeah, then she starts freaking out, starts breaking all of his shit. Everyone else does as well. And then she throws a lighter into the vents that ignites the hydrogen gas. No, she smashes all of the alcohol and then lights that. Right. And then she throws the clear, which causes the flames to expand so much that it ignites the hydrogen leaking out of the whole property, which sets the whole place on fire. Then she pushes the button that disables the safeties on the Mona Lisa so that the flamethrower that's pointed at it lighted on fire. Yeah, that's the production side of things in the movie it's just supposed to be the flames from the hydrogen gas going but no it's just it's just two flamethrowers pointed at it you can literally see the trails of them coming out of the fucking nozzles it is huh and because i'm i try i work with a group of nerds we realized that miles braun was even stupider than he thought than we thought at first because the mona lisa was painted on poplar wood <laughs> and what burned was a painting on canvas, which means yeah, if okay. there was intelligence going into writing this movie, France gave him a fake. So I'm so much of this podcast is just you writing your own head canon for things. Yeah, it is. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, because no, that like like yes, in reality, they burnt a painting that was printed on a piece of paper. Do you think anyone in this fucking movie was thinking, "Hey, we didn't put that on wood. How are we gonna make? How are we gonna like? How are we gonna like corroborate that?" And the fucking Ryan Johnson is like, "I know the French, the French, the French government gave him a fake printed on paper because he's an idiot. Like, no, they didn't fucking think that. They thought, oh, painting go on paper. I can hope. Can you though?" Yes, you keep. I'm, I'm done hoping about D and D, but I can hope about other things. Given the rest of the movie, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then that's the movie. They fucking he's ruined because the fucking super fuel he invented destroyed the Mona Lisa, and all of his friends are like, "Yeah, I saw him murder somebody." Yeah, so. Bada buddy, da lottie. 
Like, and like the worst part is they could have just like stopped it after they smashed everything because everybody was already obviously no longer on his side. Yeah. But then they had but to. But instead it was like, nope, we've got to have a big fireball. Yeah. And it, it. All of that is so much bigger in scale and so much worse than grabbing a knife off the wall and trying to stab a woman. Mm hmm. Because, like, the ending of that first movie is so. That first movie is so good. Yeah. The ending is lackluster. The murder mystery is the gaslighting is well done, but that's about all that's really well done of it. Yeah, because that's all. The it- framework is really interesting, but because we don't get it until halfway through the movie, it's kind of standing on one leg. Yeah, like I don't. I'm trying to think if the movie would be better if they started out with the entire reveal of Helen and Andy. I don't think it would be better with the entire reveal, like from the get, but I do think it would be better if it were given to us a little earlier. Like, trim some of the fat in the beginning, kill Duke, and then we can have give us more time and definitely take out the dumbass shooting. Yeah, just like, tighten it up, make it a bit... like uh, I... <laughs> they... This would have worked better as it, like, a TV episode, like a mini series length or episode or something. Yeah, like a TV episode, um, something. Like, all of this just felt so flat, camera wise, like cinematography wise, because it nothing is super interesting. It, n- nothing. It's also looks, way too fucking bright most of the time. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was another thing I, meant, I wanted to mention. Like the color grading is so weird, so blinding. Like Andy stands out to a ridiculous degree. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not just because she's in a group with white a bunch of white people. Uh, I think Batista is not white. He his skin looks Caucasian enough to me. Uh, he's not, Gre- he's Greek say. and Filipino. Okay. Well, he doesn't stand out. Yeah, no, it, he just he does kind of the Greek does the Greek does take over a bit and kind of fit him in with the rest of the whiteies. Mm-hmm. No, uh. I. Uh, I liked the movie, but I can't give it a better than a three out of five. Like, yeah, that, I enjoyed that feels, it. That feels I think fair. all the, I think all the actors played their roles well, but this is a problem I had with the original Knives Out. The shitheads are transparently shitty. Yeah, like, there's like, no, there, like so there, there's no depth to the character of. Yeah, I hawk rhino horn boner pills on the internet and support Me Too. No, he is anti-Me Too. Yeah, that's right. Anti-Me Too. He's a men's rights activist. Yes. I got that flipped. I apologize. Me Too more like men too. If you're you're a men's rights activist, just just get off the internet. (laughs) You don't belong here. Why does this be the thing that gets traffic? (laughs) Just some shithead on an MRA site just goes, just goes fucking left wing cock shit. I need to get off the internet. Yes, you should go get a life. <laughs> Buy a regular car. They can't afford cars. Sell your truck. Buy a regular car. 
you'll be able to afford more because you won't have to pay as much in gas no, they don't for have, a truck they don't, that they don't you have, don't use. Bro, they don't have trucks either. They can, they can barely afford the bus. They're spending all their money on Andrew Tate discords. <laughs> no, every men's rights activist has a truck because their penis is too small for them to function otherwise. They have very different ideas of what men's rights activists are now. <laughs> so, on to you. Yes, so. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I watched one weird movie. And when I say weird, I mean weird in the context of why I watched it and what it actually was. Okay. So I watched the last broadcast. I've never even heard of this movie. Yeah, uh, so the last, so, um, the reason I watched it, uh, there's a YouTuber who I watch a lot, who's, who I can never remember the last name of. Yeah, okay, it's Ryan Hollinger. He does, like, uh, video essays about horror movies. Mmm, I may have heard of them, but I don't remember. Yeah, he, he does, he does, like, a lot of good shit. Um... And he did a video about a movie, about the last broadcast, which is a found footage mockumentary from 1998. Okay. About a guy convicted of murdering a bunch of friends, about, uh, like murdering a bunch of like murdering his like. Uh, it was a guy who was like hired to serve as a guide for a public access film crew. To film a live episode of their show, looking for the Jersey Devil. Huh. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a early uh, like American Western um, found footage movie. Kind of, kind of predating Blair Witch by like a year or so. Cool. I mean, I hate found footage, but cool. Yeah, wasn't wasn't the first one. Like there, there, there have been a bunch before this. Uh. Was made at a budget of nine hundred dollars. Nice. Uh, and edited on a desktop of uh, consumer version of Adobe Premiere Pro from nineteen ninety eight. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, this. Why did you watch this? Uh, why did or where, where did? Why did? Because it sounded interesting from the video. I got like I, it was basically like I have not watched a horror movie, a proper horror movie, in a long time. So let's write down like the last three that this horror YouTuber I watched talked about, and let's watch those. The other one was Ravenous, which I never got around to watching. Which is Ravenous is like a period piece about uh, Wendigos. Ooh, but that like, sounds... but it's it's one of the more interesting takes on Wendigos because it's not like monsters; it's just kind of immortal people who eat people. Ah, so they couldn't afford to uh, do the uh, monsters. Well, no, that's the thing. Wendigo are spirits. They're not physical monsters. Yeah, I know. I know. But, like, there there are, like, and when... portrayals of Wendigos at, the, at this point, yeah, hilariously I know, I, enough. <laughs> I, I know there are portrayals of Wendigos, but, like, in the description of Wendigo, they never describe yeah. them being monsters. They describe them as being, like, unearthly vitality. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the point. It wasn't a monster feature. It was a, like, it was doing the horror as metaphor thing. Okay. Yeah, it, it was it starting like Guy Pierce, um, Robert, Robert Callahan, I think is his name. 
just a bunch of like bunch of dudes I I'm familiar with who you've probably seen the faces of and I've never heard their names spoken to you before. <laughs> yeah, probably. But no, it's the last broadcast. Uh, it's told in a mockumentary style. It is this dude named Dave, who is hey Dave. Yeah, it's Dave who is like using, uh, who's like collecting footage from uh, these these uh, public access dudes. Uh, who had a show called Factor Fiction, which was they would like uh, go, they would like uh, look at uh, just like paranormal shit and kind of look into like those, and that would, and that was their show. It was it was fucking Wayne's World, but Ripley's Believe It or Not. Cool. I, I, I that sounds like something I'd watch. I say that because those are the first two I could think of in terms of, hey, is this real or fake, and public access. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. I guess I guess it's more like those like unsolved mystery YouTube channels. I don't watch any of those. But yeah, so that's the idea. We, we see a bunch of footage, and that all does actually that all feels pretty. It feels pretty real. It feels pretty like natural about what they're doing. Um, and and the big kind of thing with the show was that it was also a early adopter of using the internet. Um, one of the things they did was they would like simulcast their show on public access and on the internet and interact with live IRC chat. Which, hey, 1998, that was a big fucking deal. Yeah, it was. And someone in their chat room said, hey, have you heard of the Jersey Devil? So they decided, hey, let's go fucking out into the woods, into the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and see if we can find the Jersey Devil. In order to get out there, uh, they, it was two dudes, um, Johnny and Locus. Uh, funnily enough, both played by the directors of the movie. Wow, what a shock. Yeah. A found footage film where the main characters are played by the directors. I know, it's weird, right? Never heard of that. Good lord. Yeah, so the two of them, they hire a sound guy and a guy claiming to be a psychic. The psychic is the guy eventually arrested for the murder of the other three. Because yeah, all because yeah, those three guys get murdered. What? Um, we never we never oh. see fully their bodies. We do see like quick like two or three frame flashes of images of their body parts. And the scene is described as looking like they got ripped apart by a wild animal. That's horrifying. Yeah, and as they're like cutting in between all this like all this like found footage stuff of like these dudes out in the woods just kind of fucking around making fun of the psychic guy who when he's never, whenever he's not in the room just being just like you know, normal shitheads as you do yeah uh, it was cutting back and forth between that and then this more mockumentary stuff of talking about these guys and how they ran their show how that stuff worked and um it also goes over to a woman who is like hey I restored I restore old media and or like restore like digital media or something, and there was some footage on here, some images that were uh, that were kept on here, but were a bit too corrupted. So I'm trying to clean those up and get a look at them. And I'm going to spoil the entire thing because fuck it, this movie's this movie's like 20 years old. Uh, she kind of like goes through it all and begins reconstructing those like last couple images, and the image we see is one of the guys being attacked by the guy hosting the documentary about their murder. Because it turns okay. because it turns out the guy hosting the documentary, making the documentary about these dudes, is the one who killed them. He's just making this weird like factor fiction documentary, just like, hey, were these guys killed by the Jersey Devil? What was the mystery of Jim Seward? Why'd he do it? And he knows why he did it. 
because he didn't do what he did. And then at that point, the movie cuts, the movie like just switches entirely from being a mockumentary, the found footage thing, to just a traditionally shot third person movie. As this woman realizes, oh, the guy who hired me is the one who murdered everybody. So he shows up, kills her, and then drags her body out into the woods where he then begins filming the next part of his documentary as he's burying her. And the movie ends. I'm guessing he's that that this is his way of revisiting the murders then. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going in psychological analysis. <laughs> yeah. It's, this just sounds really interesting. I think I'm going to watch this. It's interesting. Uh, I was only able to find it uh, on a effectively a library streaming service. Huh. But if you get your hands on it, it's not bad. It's interesting at least. Uh, so it sounds very interesting. Yeah, uh, moving like, on from there, uh, Violent Night. Oh, <laughs> okay. What? What's the O? Oh? Uh, I'm just not big on like uh, the the Christmas themed murder movies. Oh, this isn't that. This is Christmas Die Hard. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Santa, played by David Harbor. Uh, you know the main guy from Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, also, Hellboy. I love Hellboy. <laughs> uh, he was in the bad Hellboy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was also. I think he was also actually in the good Hellboy as a side character. <laughs> Just like he was in the bad Hellboy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm gonna double check this, but I believe he might have been like one of the dudes who was like outside of Hellboy's room when Buddy came to bring him pancakes. Uh, okay, no, he wasn't. I'm, I completely made, I completely made that up. <laughs> but no, so yeah, um, David Harbour, he plays Santa Claus. Just for real, actual Santa Claus, who, given modern day kids, has just kind of become disillusioned with being Santa Claus. That sucks. Yeah. He likes giving out presents. He likes he likes like kids being excited about what they get from him. But then every kid nowadays is like, "Hey, I want these nineteen uh, like thousand dollar electronics. If you don't give me all of them, I'm gonna shit on you." Santa gave me a fucking train set. He's a shithead. Yeah, but then there's this one kid who's just like, "I hey, I fucking love Santa." Um, she's getting like a Christmas party with her family. Uh, her dad is like the eldest son of this incredibly rich woman, and so it's. And so it's a little bit of it, it, it kind of play, it kind of plays into the just rich people don't understand the true meaning of Christmas, so they're all assholes to each other. <sighs> but but kind of not because eldest son married like a quote unquote regular woman, and they had a kid that they both love, but they're having relationship issues and are largely divorced or separated at least. I don't think they're fully divorced. But they're still trying to like keep things cordial with each other because they don't want to hate each other. And they don't want to be like angry at each other while their kids around. You know, they're being good to parents going through a tough time. And then, and yeah, so they go to uh, this guy's mom's house for Christmas, and then they get invaded by a bunch of fucking dudes with guns trying to trying to rob the fucking mansion because they have a because they have like millions of dollars downstairs in the basement. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, so uh, put they, it in the bank. Uh, they can't. That money's illegal. Oh, motherfuckers! 
yeah, so it's Die Hard. It's a bunch of bunch of heavily armed people holding people hostage in a house, and then the Santa Claus shows up. Oh God, this is the real Die Hard Christmas movie. Yep. Uh, luckily, the little girl's on the nice list, and so Santa's like, "Oh, that's the determinant factor for helping these people." Kinda. <gasps> Fuck you, Santa. Not really, because all these people are on the naughty list too. Like, like everything well, that I've described. Yeah, let's just like. Does Santa go around killing the crooks? Yes. Uh, because Santa in this version uh, used to be a Viking raider. He used to be, yeah, he used to be a Viking raider who like went around killing people with a massive warhammer, and then for his punishment for killing so many people, he was forced to bring joy to children forever. And then he found out he loved it. That that's just Santa slays. Only instead of despising it and waiting until he gets to kill people, he enjoys it. Uh, he doesn't enjoy it. He, he's not like going through like, yeah, like, yeah, I get to murder all these people. This is awesome. It's it's like people keep trying to kill him. So he kills them first. Uh, have you seen Santa Slays? Yes, I have. Yeah. He's the one with Goldberg. Yeah. It's a similar backstory. Santa was this dangerous evil being got forced to be Santa Claus. Well, he wasn't this version actually enjoys being Santa Claus. That version couldn't wait until he could kill again. But yeah, so he, yeah, it, it, they do a lot with his Santa powers. Like gets into, gets into a knife fight with a dude. And it's, and you know how like in a, like other things where they, where they get into a guy with a knife fight, he like grabs a towel and uses that to like deflect the knife. Uh huh. And this he uses the bag. Does the guy disappear into the bag? Uh, the knife does. Then when it comes back out, there's a present stabbed on it. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Santa gets uh, tied to a chair, but they, tie him in, but they tie him to a chair next to a fireplace. Oh, no. So he, so he does the thing of putting his finger to the side of his nose and just turns into dust and flies up the chimney. Oh, that's, that's, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he like electrocutes a dude to death by like sticking by sticking like the like I think he like he stabs him in the eye with the star off a Christmas tree then turns it on so he electrifies him with it like I say it's Christmas Die Hard yeah and the entire time the girl the entire time like the little girl is like she was given a radio by her dad she she, yeah her dad was like I didn't get to write a letter to Santa this year and so, his, so her dad like runs down to the basement, finds an old like walkie-talkie as a kid, brings it upstairs, and says, "Hey, this this will give you a direct line to Santa. He's very busy, so I might not be able to respond to you, but he'll definitely hear you." And then at the time, and it works. Uh, yes, because she sets it to the right channel, and this is immediately after oh Santa Claus gosh. kills a guy, and the guy has a radio on set to that channel. Oh my gosh, that is so dumb. Oh, I love it. It's great. I would have also liked it if it just like turned out that because of her belief in Santa, it actually did work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's neat. And they also they also actually like bring in some home alone shit. Oh, y'all you gotta love my my wife watch makes me watch Home Alone every year. Yeah, they the first two, none of the others. Fair enough. Uh yeah, they do the home alone like they do the internet joke of home alone where it's hey, here's home alone, but with realistic con- consequences. So like drops a bowling ball on somebody's head and he's not just like, oh, he's he, like starts just bleeding. He's like, oh God, Jesus. 
<laughs> a woman gets like covered in glue and stuck to the floor, and so when she rips her head up from it, there's like rips a chunk of her scalp out. Yeah, that that that's making me feel skeevy. Thanks. <laughs> uh, they, they do a fun thing with they actually do a fun like a uh, spin on the nail in the boot trick. Okay. So I believe it was Home Alone two. Might have been, no, it might have been Home Alone one. Where Home Alone one is where uh, Kevin tricks the guy into taking off his shoes and puts a nail on the staircase. Yeah, so little girl does that. She she puts the nail on the staircase, but it's like the ladder up to the attic. Mm-hmm. And and the guys and the people just like kind of mockingly call out to her. It's like, like we can see the nail, you fucking idiot. So he begins climbing up. She sawed one of the higher rungs out, and then it snaps and he falls down and stabs himself through the jaw with the, with the nail. Oh. It's and it just starts dropping bowling balls at him. There's a lot of these fucking like insane, like not even insane traps. They're all like fairly minimal traps. They they just work. Violent Night isn't for everybody, but I very much enjoyed it. It was a lot of just like dumb, campy fun. I think David Harbor did a really great job playing this like worn out but still very much about it Santa Claus. I do always like the, yeah, Santa Claus was a badass kind of portrayals of Santa Claus. Yeah. One of my favorites. Like, is, I, one of my favorites is The Last Guardian. Yeah, I really love that. Like Rise of the Guardians, that's what it was. Yeah, Rise of the Guardians. Santa Claus is like a dual cutlass wielding barbarian. <laughs> yeah, just this like massive like Russian dude with like just a bunch of like Russian tats. His fists are labeled naughty and nice. I feel like I remember one of my friends building out like all of the characters from Rise of the Guardians <laughs> as as RPG characters. Of course we did. <laughs> I might have to try and do that again. But yeah, if you get a chance, I would recommend Violent Night. It's solid. Uh, last movie that I saw that I fucking loved was The Menu. So, I'm not sure how much to talk about The Menu because it is... It is a better, I think it is a better enjoyed movie if you go in not knowing the entirety of it. Well, what is the menu? So like, the menu the is press? about, so the menu is about this woman named Margo, uh, who is being taken on a dinner date by this foodie, Tyler. And it's like this place where they're going where it's like $1,200 a plate. It's this restaurant that is held entirely on a single island with nothing else on it. Run by effectively a Gordon Ramsay style, like very, very well-known, very well-respected, very popular TV chef. I have seen advertisement for this. Yeah. It's a Anya Taylor-Joy, Rafe Fiennes. Uh, those are kind of our two leads. Uh, the entire cast in this did a fucking great job, but the movie is a very dark comedy about how money and rich people ruin creativity of artists. And like how and like how turning art into a commodity that can be bought and sold is just how you will destroy people with any kind of creative spark in them. No, sorry, we like to eat too. Yeah, but there's speaking as an artist. But there is a difference. It, it like like you like like just some dude like fucking selling art online. That's one thing. Becoming a fucking like multi billion dollar chef. Like like there are scales to it. You know when you reach like the height of it. You are only in it for the money, and it is like the the people in it. One of the things that uh, kind of comes up a couple times in the movie is that Ray finds a chef has not felt any joy in serving people food in years. 
well, that sucks ass. Like, I think if I stopped feeling joy in writing, I'd stop writing. Yeah, because the people on people who come there is like this fucking rich billionaire and his wife who have been there 11 times in the last year and they can't remember a single dish they ate. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. $1,200 a plate and you can't remember the dishes you ate. Yeah. Um, one of the people who shows up is a fucking food critic. And so the entire time, she's, so the entire time, every single meal they get, she's just picking it apart and like and like basically talking out a review with her editor. Uh, then you have see that's actually a problem I have hanging out with uh, Birdie and Cora. All three of us are critics. Yeah, <laughs> so we just actively start critiquing everything like we're reviewing it for the show and then like i turn around like you know there are other people who want to enjoy this right guys and they're like yeah but let's pick it apart anyway (laughs) yeah bro i get it trust me i get it i've been doing this for 13 years i know the fucking i know the i know the difficulty of trying to turn off critic brain yep but yeah and uh so you got that, and fucking Tyler, the foodie that Margot shows up with. He is one of those, like, asshole foodies who is very superior about the fact that they are able to know a lot about food despite having no actual talent or interest in food. Well, they have an interest, just no talent. Yeah. What, like, like as, as they're going through the dishes that they show up, they show off, um... Every time they get to a new course, they will show the dish in like one of those like glamour shots, and then just like very plain text. The sexies. Yeah, the very plain text. Here's the here's the name of the dish. Here are the ingredients. And then Tyler tries making food at one point, and then it shows the food, and the thing pops up. Tyler's bullshit. I don't even fucking know. Because <laughs> yeah, oh, while it is fun. dark and heavy, and it has like these relatively heavy themes, it's still a comedy. Like at one point, the food critic like. uh mentions that an emulsion that she got was broken. Mm-hmm. And so just every course they bring her out a different, bigger emulsion that's also broken. <laughs> and like the food itself is also kind of a joke because at one point they bring out like the serving platter of like, like condiments that are supposed to go on bread, but they didn't bring out any bread. So it's just the condiments. Okay. And people are looking at it as like, this is actually really interesting. Just like, just like the reduction of taking away the bread actually lets the flavor of these things actually stand out a lot more. Just like doing everything they can to talk themselves into thinking what they're eating is interesting. I want to slap these people. <laughs> they're not real. Yeah, they're not real. They're jokes. Oh. Yeah, I, I really fucking love this. It was so good. Uh, Ray Fiennes is a actor I need to get deeper into the filmography of. Uh, you might know Ray Fiennes as Voldemort. I know who Ray Fiennes... I mean, it's fair. I never know who anyone is, but Ray Fiennes is one of the actors that I actually really like. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love... I love a lo- like, He's done a lot of stuff that I actually really enjoy. I can't remember... Was he the... Was he the fish dude in uh, Hellboy? Uh, no, no. No, who was that? Uh, that was uh, Doug Jones. That was Doug Jones. That's yeah. He's the other one. <laughs> he's the other one that I'm like. Yeah, I like a lot of stuff that he's done, but I can never remember. Yeah, I can never uh, remember specifically what I liked. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I feel bad that I have to like reduce Ray Fine to being like, yeah, you know, fucking Voldemort. That's him because the dude is 
It's been in so much shit. Star. He's, he's a fucking star. Like, like Shakespearean fucking trained, like massive theater credits. He's really fucking good. He's fucking incredible. Like, there's a reason that he's one of the few that I'm like, no, I know that one. <laughs> Dad was complaining earlier that I never know any actors. Oh, son I'm of like, a bitch. I can't help it. It's my brain. Son of a bitch. He was in Wallace and Gromit. As who? Uh, Lord Victor Quartermain from The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. <gasps> oh, he was really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that character was supposed to be hateable, and I really hated it. Yeah, uh, he did. He did a uh, like a film adaptation, like a modern film adaptation of the Shakespeare play Coriolanus, which I've heard good things about, and I've been wanting to, and I actually been thinking about checking out. I don't do a lot of Shakespeare stuff. Most Shakespeare is just like, oh, okay, that's a thing for me. Yeah. Oh, he was also he was also Alfred, the voice of Alfred in the Lego Batman movie. Well, how about that shit? Uh, the only he things I great. know him from are the weird voice roles that he does at like good one-offs for children. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. Well, that... I'm sorry, Ray should... Fines. We should do a Ray Fines month. Uh I'm not sure how much of like his good stuff or like his like the stuff he might be proud of would be appropriate for the site and the things we do. We could maybe do Wrath of the Titans. You know this. You know the, the 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 sequel to the 2010 Clash of the Titans, where Ray Fiennes also is in those movies. And he plays Hades. Do we have to? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> if you guys want us to do it, hit us up on the various places you can give us money. <laughs> yeah, head over to Kofi at co-fee.com for best pros. Link in the sidebar. You want to make us watch those movies? Uh, you can do five bucks for one or ten bucks for both. One-time payment. We oh, right. suffer for you. <laughs> right, he was also the fucking bad guy in Red Dragon. Never seen Red Dragon. Yeah, it's uh, the second Hannibal Lecter movie. Hmm. I should watch that. I like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, uh... He was, uh, the... I guess the Tooth Fairy Killer? I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he, he the, the the character also showed up in uh, the Hannibal TV series. Never saw the Hannibal TV series. Oh, that's the one you gotta fucking see. <sighs> nah, I'm I'm fine. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, it is gonna do it for today. The menu, watch it. It's really fucking good. Uh, I I don't want to get more into it because I want Cave to see it. Oh man, I'm not big on black comedies. It's it's this isn't a black comedy. I think it's like it's like a dark satire. I'll see what I can stream it on. It's good. People out there, watch the menu. It's one of the it's one of the newer it's one of the newest movies that I've genuinely loved. I'll see what I can stream it on. I'm actually checking for you right now. <laughs> These are the, going to be the American streaming services, people. So, yep. Uh, HBO Max. Uh, I still have uh, I still have HBO Max for now, so I'll take yep. a look at it and probably HBO, while I'm writing. And HBO Max still exists for now. Yeah, fuckers. <laughs> 
Warner Bros. Discovery, baby. Let's kill our products. Let's ruin any goodwill we had. Oh, no, wait. That's Wizards of the Coast. Batgirl, coming out never. Fuckers. (laughs) Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back. Probably. Till then, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. (laughs) (laughs) My voice cracked there. And I'm Cave. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. I mean, have a wonderful time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>